RKP, that fifth. Sounds all the blocks for rocking with us. Like we said, the Academy. Yes. Remember when my money was staying in this dental floss, bagging up in the devil's kitchen, two step with my fingers crossed. Wow. Please, Lord, keep my mind right. They say when we had our darkest, that's when you shine light. Wow. I said, these bottles walk with these hoes. Look at She doing lines of her nose crooked. Damn, man. done done it all, not a scene too much, boy. So the angry faces don't pay too much, nigga. Everybody saying I'm brand new. Oh, guess that's what's getting this can do. When you from where I'm from, you do anything that you have to. You overgrind and make sure your money outlasts you. What? Sally second my grind first. No matter how much that line hurts, clock ticking, ain't no time for no time kill. Cause my family across me way faster than my crime wheel. What? Just keeping it real with myself. If I don't keep it real with me, I'm gonna keep it real with everybody else. Listen to me, come on. There's too many square niggas just running around. It's crazy. That fast line is gonna slow me down. Wow. Keeping it real while I face the traffic. Me and Lil Dawg swear facing magic. Put up on the scene for the chase of tragic. Backed out laughing, the heart was jumping. A nigga had a feeling I was starting something. Hustling, moving, HOL. I woke up the next morning, all the niggas in jail. So I slowed up. Nervous as fuck, I could've throwed up. Took a minute and I chose up. From that day on, never froze up. I just stay in my lane like I'm taught to do. Play that role and they chalking you. Slapped a couple niggas and I thought a few were bad luck. They never did bad luck for you. All these face mouths, gangsters vouching. A nigga never ready for the gangster pouncing. All up in your fingers trying to straight the cash. talk about your bad when you separate the fountain. I done seen it all, wanna prove you tired. The OGs only keep OGs in line. Little homies with it, they used to bustin'. They don't remember you when you was out there thugging. Run these streets, living these raps, nigga. Talking shit, forgot about the strap, nigga. Big homie like kickback, nigga. You probably like lucky levy at niggas. You ain't learn shit cause you callin', boy. And you don't even hear the Lord callin', boy. About to be a long night, all in, boy. You was heading to the studio, all in, boy. Just keeping it real with myself. If I don't keep it real with me, I'm gonna keep it real with everybody else. Listen to me, come on. There's too many square niggas just running around. It's crazy. That fast life is gonna slow me down. Yo, 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 what is up? What is up, YouTube boxing family? Uh, it's K right here. I'm back with another good uh post fight live uh for boxing and MMA. Uh, I figured I figured I'd mix in MMA for you know all my UFC, you know people out there um i do like the ufc um i definitely you know watch it you know from from time to time but boxing is always first over the ufc and uh you know like i definitely do you know enjoy ufc whenever boxing isn't giving me the fight that i want so um yeah let's get right into it uh we'll talk about boxing first and then we'll probably get ufc out the way but you know what yeah, yeah. Um, let me get boxing out the way, and UFC will be the final, you know, subject. So, um, for boxing, we had some pretty amazing cards. Uh, we had Mr. Uh, Joseph Adorno 
versus Hugo Rodan, which uh, that was a good fight. Uh, let me get let the female boxing card out the way with Yacasta Valle. Uh, finally, or you know, she had recently defeated Thithi uh, uh, Nguyen. Uh, she had unified her, her IBF title for the WBL to become a two belt holder of the division. Um, she now holds two belts in the 105 pound minimum weight division. Um, you know, like I know, you know, to some that doesn't really matter. And I don't really care too much about the division either. But the only reason why she, you know, she's really notable to even be talked about is because um, she wants to fight Sinisa, you know, Estrada. And I think that's like the only fight that everybody wants to see, um, you know, on the women's boxing side. That's really the biggest problem with, you know, women's boxing, especially at the smaller weights. Not a lot of females really provide good fights at smaller weight classes, but um, I do believe, you know, with uh, consolidating weight classes, that would definitely make, you know, divisions a lot more interesting. And, um, you know, like I'll make like another video for that because, um, you know, YouTube deleted like my other channel where I actually had a video on there where I talked about the consolidation of weight classes and why that should matter in boxing. But um, either way, that's pretty much uh, held, you know, for like another video that I will set up in the future. Um, but yeah, let's talk about the card. Uh, this was a pretty decent card, but I'm just going to speed run this. Um, I'm going to be talking about, um, um, whatchamacallit, uh, I'll talk about, you know, a couple fights on here. Um, I hear that Raquel Miller, she got a first round knockout or TKO victory over some Brazilian woman that I haven't heard of, Beatrice Acuna, but, uh, that was a decent fight from what I heard, but. I don't, I don't really think, you know, Raquel Miller is going to be like the same fighter coming back in because, yeah, at one point she she was talking all that talk, saying that, yeah, like I want Clarissa Shields, I want, you know, you know, you know, Marciela Cornejo and all these other ladies, but it doesn't seem like she's, she's really been managing her career, you know, the proper way. And uh, the only thing I have to say about her is just like, I really do think she's garbage. Um, I don't think she's that good. I think she's a liar, you know, very similar to Terrence Crawford and Bomack. And, she, you know, she'll do anything just to say, just to say anything to keep her, to keep her name, you know, relevant in a discussion. But I don't, I don't really think too high of her. And um, I mean, if she does make noise in the super middleweight division, then okay. But at the end of the day, I'm really, I'm really not liking, you know, what she really says lately. I think, I think she's, not that good of a fighter to begin with. And I think eventually, you know, she, like, you know, she'll be lined up to either get stopped by somebody or she'll just end up, you know, losing hard, you know, to somebody that will be on the come up to defeat her. But that's just pretty much how I feel like about her. Um, she doesn't really hold that much, you know, traction in boxing right now. So she has to kind of get back up there to actually give, you know, you know, us fans, you know, some credibility, but, um, yeah, that's very much it with what I have against her. Um, the other fighter, uh, he's a really, really good fighter. Um, he's out of the Bronx, New York, Ofacio Falcon. He just defeated a Costa Rican fighter by split decision, which wasn't really a split decision. Um, Ofacio dominated him, you know, for, you know, most of the rounds out of, out of their six-round bout. Um, his name was Jose Manuel Perez. Um, he was like th some 34- or 35-year-old fighter. Um, you know, he's like, you know, he's not that good. Um, 
he's okay, but uh, Ofacio, he dominated him. He outboxed him. He made the fight very simple, and uh, he keeps getting better every time he fights. Um, this is uh, the second opponent out of his entire career where he's actually went the distance. Uh, the other last three fighters that he has fought, he has stopped them, and uh, he's done a pretty good job with uh, keeping himself um, very poised and very collected in his fights. And I really do believe he will be something in the future. Um, you know, people people may think I'm, you know, just gassing him up, but I actually do believe he is good. Um, he does have, you know, um, he does have skills. The problem is just that the level of opposition just needs to be increased gradually. But I think, like, you know, I think for this fight, that was a good fight for him to advance to a 8-0 record. Because now it really shows that Ofacio, he's not he's not afraid to go anywhere in the world to fight up against any like you know high level known fighter or just basically any fighter just to get the you know experience and uh, I think I think that's something that needs to be respected out of a guy like him. He's willing to take risks to go out to other parts of what the world to actually test his boxing skills and actually go out and you know, become a massive, like, you know, um, 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 underdog coming into, you know, um, enemy territory. So, uh, great success, full victory for Ofacio Falcon and, um, onto the next one. He fights at 130 at the super featherweight division. So definitely take a look at him. He's a very, very, you know, good destructive fighter. And, uh, he definitely did his thing. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the other fighter with, um, uh, Jose Manuel Garcia, he got a second round KO victory over Israel Lopez, some Nicaraguan fighter, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, he was a decent fighter. Um, you know, Jose did his thing, he stopped him. He's actually trained by, um, uh, I think, um, Marco Antonio Barrera. Yeah, I think he's trained by Barrera or somebody notable out of that, you know, area down in Mexico. But he's a really, really good fighter, he's very, very good. A hey, salute to you, Combat Toolbag. Salute to you. Everybody go subscribe and support uh, Mr. Combat Toolbag. Um, he will be fighting very, very soon. Uh, definitely put down your information of your fight date and everything that you'll be doing. And I'll, you know, um, um, I'll do the rest to definitely promote you and definitely help you out, bro. So be sure to support Combat Toolbag. I know, I know that he's fighting very soon, coming up this month. So uh, definitely, definitely support him, man. But thank you. Thank you for coming by, man. Uh, very, very, you know, nice person. And he has a very good mindset coming into the sport. Um, he's a professional fighter. Definitely go check him out. And uh, I can't wait. Um, I hope you um, I hope you knock out your um, opponent and, uh, you know, you, um, you do your thing. Uh, yeah, let's move on forward with uh, this fight with Lorenzo Garo fighting Kyle Irwin. This was a welterweight fight in which I thought that this was a absolute robbery of a stoppage. Um, Lorenzo Garo, uh, how should I say, he's not that good of a fighter, but he definitely did his thing to make the fight decent and competitive. But when you look at this fight, um, it's already on Golden Boy. You know, you can check it out for yourself. But Kyle Irwin, he... He definitely won round one. He definitely had a little bit of a surge to basically, you know, do do what we 
do what we you know expected him to do to go out there and be strong as a massive you know american underdog and um you know the problem of this fight was that kyle had a bad cut coming coming out of the second round and uh unfortunately due to the cut the referee and the doctor wanted to call this fight off to be a you know to be a tko cut stoppage victory for lorenzo which made absolutely no sense and i would highly suggest for anybody to take a look at that i'll even probably make like a youtube short out of it just to just to tell you how corrupt you know the sport of boxing really is you know on a global stage but yeah kyle uh, kyle Irwin got screwed over and uh i thought that he won the fight regardless and honestly um he wasn't really losing that fight um if anything the second round could have been his round but knowing that it was stopped to a cut it should have been listed as a no contest and uh, uh they should have you know rematched each other you know for a later fight date but either way that was pretty messed up yeah uh most definitely bro you know like i'm definitely you know down to you know like you know support you like you know support you 24 7 he said you know, I definitely got you. Thanks, bro. We um rescheduling something right now. Okay. Yeah. Uh keep keep me updated, man. Um I definitely like to see your next fight, you know, wherever it's posted. And uh, you know, uh most definitely family, you know. Like I'm definitely I'm definitely down to see your next fight and see where the journey goes. But um yeah, like I'm definitely looking forward to it, man. Uh, let's talk about the next fight with Adelaida Ruiz versus Sonia Azorio. Um, this was a pretty good fight. Um, Adelaida Ruiz, for those of you that don't know, she's a very good up and coming. Well, you know, she's definitely on, you know, you know, the last, you know, stages of her career coming in at 33 years old. Uh, she's been pro for quite a while, but um, she's 12 and 0 now. Uh, she now has the WBC interim. Uh, super flyweight title um she will now be the mandatory if i'm not mistaken against uh lourdes juarez that is a sister of mariana juarez in which i've spoke about her in the past and um i thought i thought this was a very good fight and um honestly like like i really i really don't like watching female championship fights at two minutes anymore but if this was a three-minute fight i think adelaide ruiz could have had the opportunity to stop Sonia. Um, Sonia is a good fighter. She's not like the greatest fighter out there, but she's definitely done what she had to do to do what she had to do to be to be successful. So, um, I would say at this point she's either gate gatekeeper level or she's just a journeyman in the sport. So everything that she comes into her fights are kind of like more of like a toss up. So, but this fight with Adelaide Ruiz. Um, this was a fight that she could have won, but I believe due to the lack of power and due to the lack of ring IQ, that's what made the fight, you know, a loss for her. And uh, Adelaida, you know, she's a pretty decent boxer, but she she's more of like a come for a brawler type of fighter. She she doesn't really come in to really box with you. Um, I think the biggest takeaway from her is that if you really you know, eliminate her jab or her counter right hook that she likes to throw a lot. You could really take her down piece by piece. And I think that will be a very um, interesting transition of how much, uh, you know, how much, um, how should I say, how much skill level that she really carries, you know, once she gets into 
her world title opportunity. But I think with Lorda Suarez, that style matchup will be very interesting to watch because Lourdes, she could box, she can move, she has good, decent, respectable power. But I think with a girl like Adelaida, that might be the style to defeat Lourdes Horas. But I think due to what she brings to the table, like that is a little bit of a 55-45 matchup in Lourdes Horas's favor. Adelaida might be able to hurt Lourdes, but then you know, uh, then again, if if female boxing fights were three-minute rounds at a 12-round championship level, I would heavily favor Adelaida because she's that type of fighter that will bring you to deep waters, and then if she could hit you at the right place at the right time, she could very well stop you, or she could very well just make you tired, and she could beat you up, you know, the entire, you know, distance of that fight. And um, this is a very good opponent that I would like to have seen between her and uh, the other girl that I speak with, uh, Zarina McCoy. And I think, um, you know, if Zarina does plan to move back down to 115, because she is at, at featherweight, featherweight right now, but I think her weight naturally would definitely scale better at bantamweight or super bantamweight. But um, I don't know. Uh, I think I think her and Adelaida would be a very good flame fight to watch. And uh, I definitely like to see what happens next for Zarina's uh, career. Uh, if if she is to meet up against a girl like Adelaida Ruiz. But she did a very good job. Congratulations to her. Um, I really hope she does, you know, get the victory in a championship fight against uh, Lorda Suarez now that she is her mandatory. Or if she has the interim title to be summoned as a mandatory if that is what the WBC plans to do. So congratulations to Adelaida. Definitely go check her out. She's an amazing woman. She has a great backstory. And, uh, you know, on to the next one. All right. Let's talk about the main event. Yakasta uh, Valle versus Thithi or Thithu Ni uh, Nguyen. Um, this was that Viet- Vietnamese fighter that she fought. But, yeah, she um, she washed her. You know, this was a very good fight. Uh, Ten-round, you know, two-minute fight. <laughs> but, uh you know, it was decent. Um, I thought Yakasa had all the pressure early, early and late game um, into the fight. Uh, you know, um, like I said, you know, in my previous video towards her, um, she just needs to work on the defense, man. I think um, her lack of defense is what is what's going to cost her against a fight with uh, her and Sinisa, you know, Estrada. Um, she is a very, very good mover, but Sinisa, she could switch it and move and also break you know opponents to the body so i think this is probably going to be more of a sinisa estrada favorment of me saying that um sinisa estrada has more tools in her tool bag to beat um yakasa Valle, but i think Valle, she under- uh, she understands that she can't fight like that against sinisa estrada so i think with this uh you know with this level of like opponent um with a uh, naguian She's not the type of opponent that really gets you ready for Sinesia, but depending on where the next fight will be landed for Yakasa Valle, um, I think Nguyen, um victory does put her in position to try to go for... Honestly, I wouldn't mind seeing her just go after for the... Um, oh, man, like, uh, what's the other belt? Uh, obviously, Sinesia has the WBA, 
but she should actually go after Tina Rupert. Um, for those of you that don't know who she is, um, I believe she's a current uh, WBC uh, female uh, female minimum weight champion. Um, she's a decent fighter. She's not she's not super duper spectacular. She hasn't defended her title since uh, last year against uh, Katia Gutierrez, which uh, that was a very close fight. Um, she she, uh, she had won a split decision, you know, victory, you know, up against her. But yeah, that was a, a pretty good fight. You know, she you know she has skills, but yeah, go after her, take her down. Um, I think I think Sinisa shot a show show very well. Try to go after for that title too, but I say like that. You know that should be like the perfect fight for you for Yakasa Vaya to go after. You know the WBC title if they like you know if that's up for grabs and then go ahead and fight Sinisa for for um, undisputed and then that'll be like a really good fight. Um, you know again I don't I don't really talk too much about you know the smaller female weight classes a lot, but. You know, um, whenever I do, I always do, you know, like my research and my homework on, you know, a lot of these female fighters. And, uh, you know, I definitely give you, you know, the most consistent, like, you know, observative, you know, details of uh, what I, you know, think about them. But, yeah, that's pretty much it for that card. Yakasa Vaya, she did a great job. And, uh, you know, we'll definitely, you know, like, like um, we'll definitely keep you guys updated with uh what goes on with that division in the future but unfortunately obviously with uh the other female car that that should have happened uh <clears throat> yeah that should have happened due to the you know to the queen of england passing away fluck that biatch <laughs> but yeah man clarissa shields and uh you know man savannah marshall man i was i was looking forward for that fight and that got me so pissed off that I heard that the queen passed away. Who the hell cares that, that she passed away? We only care about boxing over here. But my only take is, is that you mean to tell me that one person that doesn't do anything for our lives and she thinks that she has all the control in the world to tell a country, a literally a nation of 65 million people, if not more, to say, oh, I passed away uh yeah we need to uh shut down the entire country of political and sporting events for at least you know a couple months yeah 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 you know uh that's a very very great idea but then when it comes over to any other part of the world when people die nobody cares but when it happens in the uk somebody has to care or more like the brainwashed minions of that land have to care Get the hell out of here. But either way, I was severely pissed off, and I wanted to see Clarissa put on the hands on Savannah Marshall. And, man, that would have been a great night, and I probably would have been parting my butt off if, if Clarissa had beat her. And uh, maybe with, you know, Alicia defeating Michaela, but that's, you know, that's a, you know, that's a different story, you know, for, like, a different live stream, but... Yeah, man, unfortunately, you know, the fight got canceled due to whatever political nonsense that, you know, the UK wanted to do for the Queen's death. But, you know, that doesn't make any damn sense. And uh, that was a waste of time and a waste of money for all the fighters that basically just trained for nothing. But that's just my take on that. Um, I, uh, I heard that the fight got rescheduled to October 15th. 
Um, I'm not a fan of that because that's very stupid marketing for one. And two, you're also competing with three other cards that will, well, two other cards that will be fighting on that particular date with Deontay Walder versus Robert Hellenius. And then you have Devin Haney versus George Cambosos. And then whatever other cards that will be most likely happening between UFC, basketball, football. I mean, that just doesn't make any damn sense. Like, that's just me, though. Like, why should Ben Shalom interfere on that date when you could just do it on October 9th, which actually makes a lot better sense because, you know, nobody else is really fighting on that date. But it's like, no, 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 you know, let's just push it to October 15th. Why? That is like the dumbest date you could ever use to tell people, hey, come see Clarissa fight and then fight and then see Devin Haney fight Cambosos in a rematch, and then you're going to spend money to watch Deontay Walter fight, or more so some people might watch it for free, but still, it's like you're wasting people's time and effort to go watch a female fight that's not going to get a lot of viewership, and most likely, you know, depending on how those weird-ass British people try to say that they have pay-per-view over there in, in certain big fights, that's not going to fucking sell. No, like nobody, nobody's gonna pay any money, especially on that given day to go see a female fight. On top of that, with Deontay Walter fighting, Devin Haney fighting, and then whatever happens in UFC going on or any other big time sport, you know, like it's not gonna sell. And I think this past weekend would have been the perfect weekend for that fight to happen, but you know, like it just sucks, man, you know. Uh, it definitely really put a bad taste in people's mouth, and uh, uh, I don't I don't know how those viewership numbers will do. I'm pretty sure it will do decent numbers, but it's definitely not going to get a lot of revenue on their return of investment that uh, Boxer Promotions is doing, along with Top Rank. So that's just my take on it. That's just a really stupid business move um, on both you know on both sides because you're not making any money back. So you're basically screwing everybody over to waste more money over there. And then you're going to spend more money to watch fights over here in America, which, you know, that will be Deontay Walter. But then you're also going to see Devin Haney fight because Devin Haney, he's going to be over, like he's going to be promoted, you know, in that region. And then people want to see him. So, you know, it's just all stupid, man. You know, I don't, I don't like, I don't like seeing that type of crap in, People, people really need to stop like mer like merging cards like all together on one given night. That's like trying to force Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford to fight on a major big card. Like let's just say Deontay Walder, he's fighting on that following weekend. You try to force Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford on that same weekend, and then you try to put Clarissa Shields versus some other lady to fight her, and then you try to have Devin Haney versus like you know, let's just say Gervonta Tank Davis that same night. Like, that's poor business promotion, but that is horrible marketing to, to try to force consumers to watch all those cards in which they will most likely say, F you, I'm not going to pay all this money. I'd rather just bootleg it because that's what they'll do. <laughs> that's what I do if I'm not going to watch multiple cards all, like, you know, all in one day. But still, at, at the end of the day, you cannot tell the consumer what they can or cannot do with your dates. They're either going to watch it or they're not going to watch it. So I guess we'll find out because I'm pretty sure those numbers are not going to do good. 
um, over in the UK and then over here, um, over here in America, we're not going to care because that's going to be on Deontay Wilder's date and then Devin Haney's fighting and then whoever else is performing or having their sporting events, that's going to take off most of your viewership. So I think, I think it's going to be like a really bad ending, but that's just my take on that. But yeah, let's move forward with the other card with uh, Joseph Adorno versus Hugo Rodan. But before I get to the main event, let's talk about some of the other fighters that were on the card. Uh, I heard uh, Sean Mason; he was on the card. Um, he's a pretty good up-and-coming rookie. He just he just won a six-round unanimous decision victory against his opponent. He fights at 135. Very good fighter. Um, same thing with another good fighter, Malik Nelson. I've heard about him. He's decent. Not the greatest fighter out there, but he definitely has some decent skills. Um, actually, I've actually heard about him. Um, if you know Joey Spencer, for anybody that, that follows Joey Spencer, who just recently fought on the Luis King Kong Ortiz Andy Ruiz card, he trains with oh uh, well actually no, no, Vito Vito Melnecki. I'm sorry, Vito Melnecki. He um he fights on the PVC, but he trains with Malik Nelson. And uh, uh, Malik Nelson, he's a very, very good fighter out of the New Jersey area. So uh, for anybody that knows who he is as a fighter or has seen him fight, uh, definitely check, uh, 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 um, definitely uh, check him out. Um, he's fought on uh, a total of three PBC fights uh, or three or three PBC, PBC fight cards, um, if I'm not mistaken. And um, he's a good fighter. He's a growing talent. Um, he has great skills, great boxing IQ. And uh, he's definitely going to be something. Uh, but he knocked out his recent opponent, Ernest Hall. Um, he knocked him out on like three rounds. But, yeah, that was a good fight. And uh, he definitely took that man to school. But um, I'm only going to cover the three fights that were on this card. And I'll move forward with the UFC fight card. Um, let's talk about Romain Villa versus Janelson Boca Chica Figueroa. Um, Romain Villa... Um, I had no clue who this guy was, but then once I found out he was trained by coach Chino Rivas, um, this guy, he's a problem, man. Uh, he's a, he's a bonafide power puncher, uh, definitely has great inside fighting ability, but he has poor defense. He needs to work on that. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, he, uh, he dominated Janelson Figueroa. Uh, Janelson got dropped in the uh, second round, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> but, um, this fight, um, he definitely came into this fight very, very unprepared. Um, he was out of the ring for one year, uh, to be exact, or to almost be, um, to almost be exact. But his opponent, uh, Romain Villa, he's been active, like legit, like throughout the entire 2022. He has fought a total of three fights so far, but he's been active since April of that 2022, and then fast forward to july and then you know september so yeah he's a problem man um definitely a bad style matchup gone wrong or just you know like a very under you know prepared fight because this guy he was coming to win so he wasn't going to give up his opportunity to you know you know ruin his shine on showtime so uh janelson he's a good decent fighter but he uh he definitely needs a lot of work to do uh, that was a very horrible performance by him, and uh, I definitely respected the fact that he got up from his knockdown and he actually tried to make some certain adjustments on the fight, but 
he needs to work on his defense. He needs to work on his footwork. He needs to work on his head movement. Like, he just kept getting hit like a jack-in-a-box, you know, just being – just punched, you know, like around in the ring. And Romain Villa, you know, if he had, like, a little bit more power late game, um, he would have knocked out, uh, like, um, Janelson pretty bad. But um, uh, that was – like, you know, that was very lucky of him to not have that type of power because Janelson – he definitely had power coming into the fight, but the problem was is that he got tired and then he let, you know, Romain Villa get into his rhythm in which that allowed him to hurt Janelson in the fight. So Janelson didn't expect him to actually have all this power coming into the mid game and late game. So that's really what kind of made Janelson fight on his bike. And then he just, you know, he just basically broke down due to the stamina being taken out of him. But um, it's a good lesson learned because uh, he definitely has skills, but Janelson, he just needs to work on the, you know, he needs to work on the intangibles and he needs to work on the uh, fundamentals. And I think that's what will make him a way better fighter. And I like to see him back in the ring soon because you can't tell me like, oh, nah, man, you know, he got exposed. He needs to take like a whole nother year off. Nah, man, you got to just basically wash off at the loss, you know, like, a, like, um, like it never mattered. And, just you know keep on moving man it's like you know just because you lose does not make you a trash fighter um like you know like um even for me like i used to wrestle back in high school and you know i never i never thought of my losses to ever put me down if anything like like my losses were just progressionary you know lessons for me to like get better and then i just you know naturally grew out of those losses and I was way better than my previous like opponents. So that's really what losses are supposed to do. They're just progressionary lessons. And uh, that's what they're supposed to be. You know, they're supposed to be progressive lessons for you to evolve away from your opposition. And then if you're willing to evolve from the loss, then you're going to start smoking people and then boom, you know, losses are just basically, you know, nonsensical, you know, uh, mistakes that, you made in a fight and boom, you lost, you know, you know, everybody loses, you know, you have to lose in order to win. I mean, that's just my life motto every day, but I just found it weird just that Janelson really thought that he was making any progress to win this fight, but you know, he got exposed pretty bad. And I mean, it's not, you know, like it's not a coincidence that he didn't look that good because he was off that whole 2022 or 2021 and his opponent was basically active, you know, which is very dangerous because it's like he could have easily hurt Janelson way more in this fight and he could have brutally knocked him out. So I think Janelson, he needs to just go back to the drawing board, keep getting better. And uh, I definitely like to see him uh, probably rematch a guy like, like you know, uh, Mark Reyes Jr. Um, I think I think it's about that time. I think Janelson should go ahead and get that rematch with them or just uh, move forward and just keep fighting tough opposition because um, he has fought some good names uh, so far with Mark Reyes, Shannard Bunch, in which he should have lost that fight, and then Romain Villa. So these are all guys with, you know, winning records, and uh, I definitely like to see what's next. So um, that's pretty much it for that first fight. Moving forward with the second fight with Frenzy Fortunato against Bernard Torres. Uh, this is a fight that I thought Frenzy could have done better. But he got the job done. He dropped uh, Bernardo. Um, he actually, or he dropped Bernard. Um, he made that fight very simple. But the problem with Frenzy was just that 
he wasn't staying active enough with his punches, and he kind of allowed Bernard to go on the inside and start making the fight a little bit rough. But Francie, Francie should have definitely pushed on the gas a little bit more to stop him, and he would have definitely made the fight a lot easier if he had just pressed him a lot sooner. And I think he would have stopped them because he has power. He definitely can hit. But the problem with Frenzy is just that he doesn't put himself in a proper position where he should be more accurate with the shots. And I think now that's all in the making with fundamentals and ring IQ. But, you know, like it's not, you know, an excuse for anyone to say that, oh, well, just because, like, you know, just because you don't, you know, let your hands go doesn't mean that they're like a bad fighter. No, like, that's like a mental thing that every fighter needs to understand to get better. Because if you can't get that mental stage out of your mindset to say, okay, look, if I'm not letting my hands go, but I'm too afraid to get hit, then guess what? You're going to get hit. You're going to get hit with something huge. And then somebody's going to end up knocking you out. So in my mindset, I would, you know, I would think that, look, if this guy's not going to throw with me, I need to throw a lot harder punches to start, to start giving him, the respect of saying to him, you can't come to me now. You know, if you start, you know, pushing out your jab and making, you know, the fight more aggressive by making the fight a lot more difficult where you already have like your range fighter because you already have like the reach and like, you know, uh, the height and reach advantage, then yeah, go for it. Because that's what, like, no, that's what you're supposed to do if you have the physical and skill, like, like skillful advantages over your opposition. But if you have the disadvantages, you should still keep pressing your opponent because you still have the ability to break your opponent down, regardless of the physical, you know, disadvantages with your opponent. But either way, uh, Frenzy did his thing. I'd like to just see more improvements, and I think eventually he'll be good, man. You know, he's a very, very tall featherweight. He's five foot ten. Um, I'm pretty sure that arm reach is at least like a seventy plus and above, but. Yeah, man, he is just super duper good. He's a really tall Dominican fighter. He was born and raised out of Santo Domingo, Dominican, you know, um, Dominican Republic. He's a very, very good fighter. Twenty-four years old. Um, they call him El Jodon. I don't know what that even means, but yeah, you know, he's you know he's good. Check him out. But yeah, let's move forward with the main event, and uh, I'm gonna take a little quick break, and then I'll come right back. Uh, just give me a couple minutes, but. Um, yeah, uh, let's talk about Joseph Adorno versus Hugo Rodon. Uh, this is a very, very good fight. Uh, I thought Joseph Adorno could have made this fight a little bit easier, but Hugo Rodon, he got pretty much pressed pretty aggressively by Joseph. Um, Joseph used his jab very, very uh, precise and accurately. Um, he did drop Hugo, which was a very, very good you know, uh, drop or very, very good knockdown that he did onto him, but... Uh, yeah, this fight was a lot harder than it had to be. And uh, Joseph, he definitely did what he had to do to be successful. But I think the problem with him is just that once he has that gas tank, you know, you know, exited or basically, you know, um, like, you know, once he wastes all of his stamina heading into the later rounds, his gas tank is just really, really bad. So he needs to work a lot more on sustaining his stamina for the later rounds. And I think uh, that's what will make him into a much better fighter. And I think that's what he will do to a lot of bigger names, you know, at the, you know, 140 pound division. Cause this fight was not at 135. 
just to let you guys know this this was at 140 this is for the ibf you know like ibf uh latino super lightweight title so um i mean you know 140 i'm not i'm not too sure if i really like that division for him because he does look like he's not really you know comfortable at that weight but i mean if he's able to take a good shot at that weight then i'm all for it go for it but the problem is is like you're gonna be facing some big you know some big dogs at 140 and for hugo rodan's case he's not that big of a super 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 lightweight or junior welterweight um if anything you know he's more fit to probably fight at 135 than at 140 but i mean yeah good you know good victory i mean i just don't think hugo really showed anything of a threat for um for um joseph joseph adorno so i think that was like the only reason why adorno was able to you know survive in those later rounds with him hugo had a good work rate up against him but the problem was is just that he was missing a good portion of his shots and he wasn't hurting joseph adorno to actually sway the judges in his favor for him to win you know a good portion of those rounds but either way uh good victory for joseph and uh hopefully we get to see more of him in the future i mean if he's campaigning at 140 uh i would say definitely take your time with the matchmaking do not increase the competition so soon because there's just too many killers that i could think of at 140 right now um i mean some people might say oh well just give him this guy give him elvis rodriguez give him you know brandon lee give him all these guys uh i would say no i would say take his time and don't feed him to the lions or feed him to the dragons uh i think it's pretty much fair to say that you kind of have to like really be careful with some of these matches because even though that joseph he didn't get banged up a lot but it did look like his face got a little bit bumpy i would definitely say against guys like that uh that's a whole different field of just landmines waiting to happen to basically explode onto him so I say take his time with it. The competition is very deadly and very fierce at 140. But if he's able to handle it, then by all means, go for it. But 140 is a killer division. And, you know, like what Regis Progress say, he says that there's too many dogs, you know, like, you know, in the division. Uh, I most likely agree. Um, a lot of dogs like pit bulls and a lot of deadly canines and <laughs> a lot of deadly, you know, you know um great danes like there's too many breeds out here that are just ready to to just oh man yeah that that is just you know like you know 140 is basically the boot camp division leading to the welterweight division <laughs> but combat toolbag said after you're through all the cars bro i need a favor if you can make me jared hurd or winky right the perfect fighter how would you mod them i.e. if they were characters you could buff or debuff very curious uh man i would probably work on jared Hurst's stamina because if he was like ever to be good in the late game with his stamina he would be such a death he would be such a destructive fighter but on top of that if you just make the ring iq a lot higher on him then he would just basically just annihilate so many names but it's like that's really his biggest problem like he just doesn't have those tools you know you know heading into the late game where when he gets super duper tired he starts losing a little bit of focus and i think that's really the biggest you know weakness out of his uh, skill set but either way like 
I can't really think of anything that I would debuff out of them if I were to like make like an actual character build out of them in my mind. But I think Jared Heard, like I would I would definitely increase, you know, the hand speed. Like he like yeah, if he had great hand speed, he would definitely be blowing dudes out really, really good. Um, definitely the footwork, you know, the speed, you know, the agility. He's a little bit flat footed at times. Like I really like, you know, um, if he didn't have those, you know, disadvantages, you know, he definitely would have been a way better mover and he definitely would be boxing amazing with that, you know, high level footwork, you know, if he had that, but then for Winky, right. Same thing. I mean, the footwork was decent, but it wasn't like the super duper best, but Winky, right? He he always had great ring IQ and great defense. So if you worked on that uh, a little bit more at the high level, I think Winky, right, would just be blowing dudes out amazing with that high level footwork. And then I would also work more on his power. Uh, I think power, obviously, that's more of a natural thing. That's not something that you could just work on magically. But if there was ever a thing where power can be adjusted, uh, definitely. I really wish it like like if Ronald Winky Wright had one shot knockout power, um, that would be just literally the end of every single fighter that he fights. Like he would be very equivalent to almost Deontay Walder or I would say Mike Tyson like type of fighting. But hold on, give me one second. I'm I'm gonna check up on something. I'm gonna play a little bit of music. I'll be right back. I'm back. But yeah, back to what I was saying. Uh yeah, I think I think of those uh attributes were fixed out of them as a fighter. That you know, that definitely would be a pretty good improvement of just like looking at their skill set. I mean, anything that I would take away from them would probably be like if they had like really good defense and then if I really wanted to like see less of a defensive fighter out of them, you know, build wise, then yeah, I'm not I'm not really too keen on, you know, actually wanting that, but I mean if that was something that 
I could actually trade certain strengths for weaknesses, definitely defense, because if you don't have good defense, then that's obviously what will put you at a bad spot. But uh, Combat Toolback said, when I think basic fighters, I think of what can make them elite, i.e. myself. Thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah, 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 most definitely, man. Uh, he said, most compared to Winky, so that really helps King. Yeah, you know? Yeah, like, I mean, most definitely. Uh, he said, yeah, Winky with with feet and power is unstoppable. Yeah, um, I would also like to see that on Jermaine Taylor, too. And I really wish, like, I don't know, did did Ronald, did, did Ronald Winky Wright ever fight Jermaine Taylor? Because if they never did, then that should have been, like, the biggest fight to be made back in that time frame. But if, they, like, if those guys had, like, oh, wait, actually, yeah, yeah, uh, they did. They did. Uh, that was at the fight where everyone thought Ronald White, Ronald, Ronald Wright beat him, but he actually lost a majority decision uh, up against him. Or actually, no, that was a split draw. Yeah, 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 yeah that was a split draw. Got it. But yeah, uh, um, a lot of people thought uh, Ronald R- Ronald Wright won that fight. But um, yeah, I mean, Ronald Winky Wright. You know, if he had high-level footwork and high-level power to the point where his ring IQ was just off the charts and you can't do anything but just try to have, like, a puncher's chance to try to hurt him, then Winky Wright would just be stopping people like crazy. And, uh, I mean, for him to have such a good bonafide chin and great defense, to which, I mean, he has been dropped before, but he's never been stopped, so... That's something that you can respect out of him because it's like he kept on improving every time he had been dropped. So, I mean, that's just something that you got to give a lot of credit and props to, to Ronald Winky, right? So that's something that I liked out of him. And uh, I, I kind of do wish that, you know, um, if he had rematch Jermaine Taylor at that time frame, which I think he said, uh, fast forward years later saying that they were supposed to fight each other, but, uh, I guess promotional issues had, you know, had that fight, you know, fall through, but either way, if they had fought each other in a rematch, I would, I would heavily favor Ronald, you know, Ronald Wright, you know, to stop Jermaine Taylor in a rematch. Um, yeah. Combat toolback said winky, uh, winky one, but draw. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, most definitely, man. Um, I thought I thought Winky Wright definitely should have deserved his just due. And uh, Jermaine Taylor, he's an amazing fighter. You know, he is undisputed himself. But just for the fact that both of them should have fought each other in a second or third fight, potentially, you know, those fights would have been amazing. Like, hands down, Ronald, Ronald Winky Wright versus Jermaine Taylor as a main event. And then you could have Bernard Hopkins versus James Toney. In which that fight, like literally, it like I really wish Bernard Hopkins fought James Tony earlier in his career because if you really think about it, like both of them, both of them would have been the best fights on that card. And then you could also have like Jermaine Taylor versus Bernard Hopkins in a uh, third fight if Hopkins had beat James Tony. And let's just say the winner of those two fights, Roy Jones Jr in his absolute prime like you know i'm just spitballing here but it's like think about it like roy jones jr never fought jermaine taylor but ronald winky Wright, if i'm not mistaken he never fought roy jones either 
if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Ronald Wright versus, you know, Roy Jones. Yeah, he never fought him. I don't think so. No. But yeah, that fight that fight never happened. Yeah, yeah, that fight that fight did not did not even happen. That fight literally should have been at middleweight at that time frame when Winky came. Oh my god. Like, dude, imagine the style matchup. Yo, like like literally, if I had way more of a bigger fan base on this channel, I guarantee you everybody would be favoring Roy Jones Jr. right now to say, oh nah, man, Roy, like Roy Jones Jr. would beat up on Winky Wright, man. Winky Wright would just be destroyed by Roy Jones. No, 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 no. You you cannot tell me that fight. Yo, the buildup would have been insane. The wins would have been off the charts. The pay-per-view numbers would have been 1.5 million at least, you know, per fight. And just the insanity of the punching, the work rate, the defense, the ring IQ. Like, dude, Roy Jones Jr. would have been in the toughest fight of his life because one... He does not scale well against Southpaws, aka Southpaws run boxing. And on top of that, Winky Wright is one of the best inside punchers in the game. You mean to tell me he is not going to be able to touch Roy Jones Jr.? Get out of here. Roy Jones Jr. would be stomped by Ronald Winky Wright. I say it on this channel, and I will make a short out of this to tell the rest of the boxing world, prime for prime, Ronald Winky Wright <coughs> would destroy Roy Jones Jr. Hands the F down. That fight would never be close on the inside. It would be a absolute chess match early game, but then late game to mid game. You know, it would be 50-50 exchanges where Roy Jones, he's going to have that dog in him to say, yeah, man, you know, I'm going to knock this guy out. I'm going to knock him out. And then when Rinky, yeah, and then when Winky touches him and he actually hurts him with that work rate to the body, in which a lot of people don't even give Winky right his credibility for having such a good body, body shot, you know, um, work rate. But it's like those body shots that he throws, those are deadly body shots that he loads up to make sure that you're wide open for him. He doesn't just throw punches just to throw with you. He throws punches to actually hurt you. Very similar to Errol Spence in a way, but just different in a different mindset. So, you know, if, if, if Ronald Winky Wright was able to hurt Roy Jones Jr. in those exchanges, he would have been very, very successful because Roy Jones, you know, he, you know, he heavily relies off of people standing right in front of him and not expecting to throw something back at him. So, of course, he like you know. Of course, you know all the naysayers would say Roy Jones would destroy Winky Wright if he had the ability to hurt him on the inside. But a lot of people discredit the fact that Winky Wright, he you know, he was very educated on the inside. He wasn't just coming in just to bang with you. He came in to actually hurt you when he sees openings to go after you. But on the outside, I like I like I don't I don't think Roy Jones would have had any success to hurt you know, Ronald Winky Wright to the level of which we think Roy Jones would just just basically dog walk him and just destroy him. I think Roy Jones Jr., he would have had to really think very deep into what shots he's throwing at, at Winky Wright because Winky Wright, he's going to see those shots coming. Like he, you know, he has great ring IQ just like Roy. But the thing is, is just that Winky is more of a defensive inside pressure counter puncher 
But with Roy, he's more of a front foot first type of pressure style, you know, boxer puncher, if you guys get what I'm saying. But the thing about it is just that if Winky catches Roy Jones Jr. the same way Antonio Tarver did to him, it's game over. I think I think a prime version of Roy Jones Jr. Uh, versus that prime version of, of Ronald Winky Wright, that, that fight either does not go the distance or it will be a very, very close edge fight. And either guy would have to get a knockdown to get a really close, you know, split decision victory. But I think Winky Wright would be way, way more successful because it's like you have to think about it. Like they they have such great levels of, you know, high intensity. But I think once one person gets hit really bad, it's just game over. I think I think Winky would be with the finisher coming into that bout because it's like he's a very educated southpaw. He's not he's not coming in there with any uneducated boxing. And I mean, once he starts switching it up on, on Roy and he starts countering a lot of those looping hooks that Roy Jones likes to do, I think I think it's over. I think Roy Jones, he'll be a sucker for the left hand. And I think uh, Winky, he's going to crush him with those body shots. Um, yeah, Combat Tulbeck said, agreed. Uh, agreed. Ugas does well with that style. Just some issues with... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, uh, I think he was talking about Ronald Winky, right? And then he said, yo, B-Hop versus James Tony, what? Flame, yeah. Uh, hate that B-Hop beat Winky 160 was was crazy. And facts, same with G-Man and Tony or G-Man and Roy. Oh, wait, who's G-Man? Uh, G-Man is um who? Uh, like uh, Ronald Winky, right? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, like I think I think either way, like those fights would have been insane. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. B hop, B hop versus T- Tony and then Roy. Yeah, yeah. I think I think like the rematch and their primes definitely would have been like you know what like, the best fight four years later because you know remind you B hop he was like you know he came into the he came into the sport at like what twenty three years old but he lost his very first professional fight on his debut but then leading up to Roy Jones Jr. he was like what 18 to 20 fights in so it's like yeah you know oh g-man oh gerald gerald okay gerald mcclellan versus tony and g yo gerald gerald mcclellan probably would have stopped roy jones jr i'm not i'm not gonna lie i think i think that version of him uh coming into the julian julian jackson fight yeah he he definitely would have given roy jones a war but him and james tony that's a very difficult fight to call because james tony would definitely just use his feet and he would make he would make uh gerald a little bit frustrated but then once tony hits him or he hits uh tony really hard i think i think that's a one hitter quitter type of fight um he also said yes body shots were great that catch and suit shoot shoots you know shoot uh style him and vargas was a crazy inside fight yeah 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 i remember that when he fought um you know uh, uh francisco vargas right versus <coughs> yeah francisco <coughs> or no, no no yeah yeah fernando yeah fernando yeah fernando yeah he was he was beating his ass like he, he was destroying fernando yeah that was yeah that was a very very destructive fight and i'm actually looking at it right now but yeah he he gave he gave fernando look the business like 
that fight that fight that fight was like so destructive yeah i'm actually looking at it right now but yeah he got he got obliterated but yeah that that uh that style that he used against fernando he he would he would mess up roy jones jr he would he would stop him so bad that that would be such a destructive destructive war look him up before the nigel ben fight he was that fucking guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I've been, I've been known about that. I bet you know, you know, with uh, Gerald, uh, Gerald McClellan. Um, yeah, I thought, I thought, um, you know, Gerald McClellan was like one of the best middleweights in the world. Um, you're right. I thought Winky won that fight, but I love that Fernando fought that way. Yeah, Fernando. You know, despite his losses and his biggest toughest fights. Uh, he was a dog. He, he, you know, he was an absolute monster. I don't, I don't care what anybody says. Like, regardless that he got blown out by Trinidad and he went to war with Hopkins and he went, or, or no, no, no he went to war with um, Oscar De La Hoya and uh, who else? Winky Wright. Uh, I for, like, I forgot all the other fights that he's been in, but yeah, yeah. Fernando Vargas Senior is just one of the, you know, great greatest fighters out there, or definitely, definitely just a uh, just a household name, you know, you know, all together. But, um, yeah, you know, uh, he, he definitely had all the skills to give everybody a very difficult fight. And he was just a game bred warrior, man. Like I, I just hand, like, I just hands down, you know, respect, you know, you know, uh, Fernando Vargas and, uh, definitely winky Hopkins, you know, despite him being like a coon, but, <laughs> but yeah, either way, like decent, decent to say the least but yeah uh let me chime in a little bit on the ufc stuff and then i might have to take like a little break to go check on you know my food and then you know like i'll get up out of here but yeah let's talk about the ufc card i'm not i'm not gonna talk about all the fights but uh i'll probably talk about um you know uh some of the female fights and then we'll talk about the co-main event and then the main event. Uh, oh my God, I had I had so much fun watching these fights. But yeah, let me speed run this. Uh, let's talk about Elise Reed defeating Melissa Martinez. Uh, this is a very good fight. I had a lot of fun watching this fight. Uh, Elise Reed, she's a beast. Uh, she she uh, gave Melissa a very tough tough fight. Uh, she almost uh, dropped her a couple times on this fight, but um, she definitely uh, you know hurt her in the fight and stunned her, but. Yeah, that uh, that was a great performance by her. Um, I don't know too much about her, but she, she definitely got some skills. Uh, she's a 29 year old uh, female fighter uh, for UFC, and uh, yeah, she you know she got fit. Uh, she got a lot of skills, man. But um, that was a good fight, and uh, yeah, let's talk about uh, the other fight with um, Norma Dumont versus Danielle Wolf. Uh, that was a good fight. Uh, Danielle Wolf, she she's okay. Um, if anything, uh, I'm almost positive. Wasn't this like the lady that was on YouTube that was like a amateur Olympian? Because if that's not the lady that I'm thinking about, then she got exposed bad. Like, <laughs> hold on. Because let me take a look at this lady. Amateur. Hold on. Amateur boxing. Danielle Wolf. Yeah, she yeah she attended Olympic trials. Yeah, this is this is like the lady that 
that that was so big into like the amateur scene, right? And <laughs> oh my god, man! Like I don't I don't feel bad, you know, for her. But you mean to tell me like you, like you wasted all this time, you know, preaching about your amateur boxing record, and then you know you never made it to the Olympics. Uh, I believe she said she went to the trials, but then coming now, fast forward into the UFC. She only she only had like one fight in um, MMA, and then obviously she gets blown out by Norma, you know, you know, in her second fight. But it's like, dude, like that's just sad, man. Like, like, like seriously, like she 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 really thought like she could just come into like the game that late. Oh my god, that's just yeah, that's just funny, man. But I don't, you know, I don't really be hating on you know women like that. You know, if you do believe that you got skills, then. You know, by all means, go for it. But it's just like, do not come into MMA, you know, late into that age. That's just really stupid. And, you know, she could have easily been blown out by some more dangerous woman. Because she literally fought Norma Dumont with, like, what, nine fights? So she was seven and two coming into that fight. She just increased herself to eight and two. I found, like, honestly, I found that to be really dirty out of what the UFC. You mean to tell me you're going you're gonna to match up a woman? That has limited MMA experience, in which she's more of a yeah she's more of an amateur female fighter in boxing to fight some woman that has over nine fights and then she gets blown out, in which you know she didn't do too bad but still it's like Danielle she she should have fought somebody that was that that had the same amount of fights as her you know what I'm saying like she only had one fight coming into MMA and then coming into this opponent like that doesn't make any damn sense so i don't know why the ufc did that 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 felt really weird to me and even though that she hadn't fought since 2020 um in her very first you know a ufc contender series uh, back in 2020 but but still like it just didn't make any sense hold on give me one second i'm gonna check up on my food and i'll be right back
Sorry. All right. So, yeah, back to uh, what I was saying about her. Um, yeah, I just found that to be really messed up, man. Like, <laughs> Danielle Wolf, like, I don't, I don't have anything bad to say about her. I think she's definitely a, a very strong woman in uh, what she does. But for her to just, like, come into the MMA with limited experience and then the UFC lines her up against some women with nine, you know, professional MMA fights all together, in which Norma Dumont, she's a decent fighter. Um, if anything, her record speaks for itself. She She's fought on UFC uh, before, and she's fought a couple times back on her home country in Brazil. But, um, yeah, actually, surprisingly, her, her, her only loss came to Megan Anderson, surprisingly. But... Uh, yeah, uh, Megan actually submitted her in that fight. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I just found that to be really poor matchmaking by the UFC. I don't know why Dana thought it was okay to put Danielle Wolf up against her because Danielle, she didn't she didn't have any, you know, leeway coming into this match. And uh, for her to be kind of put up against a woman that's hungry to take her down, it's like, I don't, I don't like that. Um, I found that to be really stupid and don't know why she decided to come into MMA late in which uh, she, she's been boxing all her life. So it's like, you know, that just makes no goddamn sense to me. So, <laughs> I mean, if anything, Dan Danielle Wolf probably deserved to be more of a professional, you know, boxer, you know, for, you know, for women's boxing rather than just come into MMA and just, you know, get smoked, you know, in your second fight. But I mean, that's just me, though. But uh, that's pretty much how I saw with that fight. And then let's talk about the other fights that were on the card. Uh, let's talk about Mr. Uh, um, I'll talk about Jalatan Alameda. Uh, this was a pretty good fight. Um, Jalatan Alameda, he's a beast. Um, for those of you that don't know who, who he is, he's a Brazilian, you know, 220-pound UFC fighter. Um, I think that's a heavyweight, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, he's a good fighter, man. He has a lot of a lot of athleticism in his uh, fighting fighting physique, and uh, he has a lot of great, you know, ring IQ, you know, for the octagon. Um, this was a pretty good fight against uh, Anton Terjaki or Terkaji. Um, he he was a pretty rough, rugged fighter. He had over like what um, nine fights altogether, but Decent opponent, um, you know, he took him down. You know, he uh, he uh, uh, submitted him in round one, but it was a very good fight while while it lasted. And uh, yeah, it was a very, you know, good fight. Oh, he was actually undefeated. I'm sorry, but yeah, you know, the UFC, they're you know they're giving him some some very good opportunities. Um, I just don't like the fact how UFC is really treating these fighters like crap these days. You know, without the pay, in which. Um, I had spoke with uh, Claudia Gadella about that, but, you know, that was on my other channel that I had back in the past. But, uh, yeah, either way, like, I just wish that these fighters were paid way more because it's like UFC is, like, delivering really good fights, but it doesn't seem like that they're really giving the fighters what they really deserve. Um, but, yeah, let's focus more on the other fights that, that were on the card. Um, I'm going to talk, uh, talk about the last few fights. Um I'll talk about 
Johnny Walker. He's a good fighter. He fights at 205. I think that's at light heavyweight or heavyweight. I forgot what weight class that really is, but that's at John Jones weight. I know that. But yeah, you know, he, he submitted his opponent, Ion Kupatala. You know, he's not that bad of a fighter. Um, he, he definitely does have skills, but, you know, the thing with him is just like he, he doesn't really present anything, you know, good for any, you know, tough opponent. So, you know, he's, you know, he's been smoked by, uh, you know, by some, by some heavy loaded, you know, opposition. He lost to Glover Tixera, Magomed, yeah, Magomed, you know, um, Anakalev, uh, Ryan Spann. I mean, yeah, you know, he, he, he's losing to some really high quality fighters. And, uh, that's what I like about the UFC. You know, you, you are being matched up extremely difficult with some really heavy loaded opposition, but that's pretty much how I saw about that card. That was a good victory. Um, also shout out to Daniel Rodriguez. He got a split decision victory against John Yanling, John Liang Lee. <laughs> he was some Chinese fighter. He was never that good, but yeah, he yeah he beat the crap out of him. Uh, I thought I thought this fight wasn't really as close people thought it thought of it to thought of it to be, but yeah, this guy he got wasted by Kazma Chimaev, which I'll talk about in a minute, and uh, he lost to Neil Magny. Like, <laughs> yeah, he he's definitely not he's definitely not like the type of guy where he's like super duper good, but he'll definitely give you a tough fight. I mean, you know, he's a journeyman at this point, but he's a uh, thirty four. So I don't I don't see too much time left on him, but yeah, good job for Daniel Rodriguez. Who knows what will happen for him? But let's move forward with the co-main event. Uh, we're gonna talk about Mister uh, Kazmat Chimaev, the former main event opponent for Nate Diaz, in which uh, he unfortunately could not make the weight. Um, he was like eight pounds overweight, <laughs> so. He had uh, Kevin Holland as his opponent. Uh, Kevin Holland, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he took this fight on short notice, so he kind of just like stay ready to get ready. Oh wait, actually no, he was supposed to fight Daniel Rodriguez, so he was already ready for the fight. But this fight got elevated, so yeah, um, it was a very good fight uh, while it lasted. Uh, I like Kevin Holland; he's a beast, bro. But Kaz, uh, like um, um, Kamza Chimaev, he's you know he's a monster man like i don't i don't see a lot of people beating him and uh now that i see that <laughs> he's coming out here just blowing a guy like kevin holland out in which kevin holland he was never on anybody's radar to be that good but he always had great performances to the point where he was just always ready to give you a tough war and i mean he you know he's fought some very good opposition his only Losses really came to really good level opposition. Mar Marvin Vittori, which uh, I would I would say he's uh, he's a journeyman at this point, but you know that's a good high quality loss. Um, Cody Hamra, I don't even know who this guy is. Uh, yeah, you probably should have never lost to him, but yeah, I mean Kevin, you know you gotta, <laughs> yeah man, he gotta uh, he gotta step it up a little bit more. He got he gotta really take take things a little bit higher. But yeah, you know he's he's fought some really di di difficult you know opponents. He fought Thiago Santos. Yeah, he's a beast. Uh, I mean, he just recently got beat the hell up by Jamal Hill, or Jamahal Hill. 
yeah, yeah, Jamal Hill, yo, he's he he's a monster, man. Like he's just an absolute killer in the ring. But yeah, I mean, the UFC's no joke, man. I mean, a lot of these guys just be coming in here, really coming to take your head off. But you like you understand why the why the division of their records are what they are. So yeah, I mean, Kevin did his thing. Mr. Trailblazer lost, but it was just a very difficult bad style matchup. So <laughs> I think Kamza Chimaev, he's the truth. Uh, he has a lot of great, great longevity in the sport. And he's just such a great, you know, complete fighter. And I think that's what's going to make him a very big threat uh, coming into the future. Uh, we don't know what weight class he will be campaigning at, but knowing that this fight was supposed to be at 170, um, he definitely needs to be a little bit more disciplined on his weight cut. And uh, who knows? Maybe him and Nate Diaz should be next. But I think eventually um, he definitely needs his title shot. So I think that's really the biggest problem out of everything. Um, I think it's time for him to give him the world championship level opposition. And, uh, you know, we'll probably see him in there with all the top dogs. But as for Kevin Holland, uh you know, definitely like to see him back again. He's not out of the woods. His career is very still bright. And, uh, you know, he'll be 30 coming up in November. So, I don't know. We'll find out if Kevin Holland, if he still has it, you know, in his uh, in his uh, skill set. But, yeah, very good fight. Very good, you know, interesting style matchup. But, yeah, let's talk about uh, the main event. Nate Diaz, he, uh, he submitted Tony Ferguson. Uh, that was a very, you know, very good, shocking victory. Um, I thought Tony Ferguson was going to do more in this fight. But unfortunately, he really didn't do anything that I thought he would switch up on. And it, it, it made me think that Tony, Tony Ferguson, <laughs> he really came to actually lose. And uh, I didn't really like the fact that uh, Tony Ferguson kind of just kind of like, you know, made, you know, made the fight a lot of, you know, a lot more harder. Than for them for what it had to be and uh yeah nate nate diaz got the job done man you know uh even though he's not a world championship level fighter um you know he he definitely exposed them and uh you know he took him down but i think that's pretty much it for tony ferguson i mean you've been stopped back to back by uh michael chandler and nate diaz and then you got stopped by justin gaethje so i i i just don't I just don't see it in him anymore, and I think it's time for him to just hang it up and just go ahead and leave. I mean, I don't think he ever was a world champion, but if he was, I mean, credit to him. But I don't think he was. I'm looking at that right now. Um, yeah, he was a former interim UFC, yeah, UFC um, lightweight champion, right? Uh, yeah, he was a former interim. Yeah, he he never he never won a title, so. Yeah, I think it's it for Tony. I don't think he's that good anymore. But credit to Nate Diaz. Maybe him and Kaz, uh, um, him and Kamza Chimaev need to get it going. But yeah, that's pretty much it, man. Uh, I appreciate you guys for coming through. Uh, thank you for Combat Toolbag for coming through in the chat. I appreciate you, bro. And yeah, man, uh, I'll be coming out with more videos probably tonight. I got I got a lot of gaming stuff that I want to do. So I'll see you guys soon. Peace out. Have a good night. And I'll see you guys later. Bye.